Support for The Real Pink Podcast comes from Amgen Oncology. Amgen Oncology strives to serve patients by transforming the promise of science and biotechnology into therapies that have the power to restore health or save lives. Amgen is developing innovative medicines like biosimilars for difficult to treat cancers and is proud of their first in-class therapeutic approach aimed to dramatically improve outcomes. Learn more at amgen.com. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. In the United States, one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime, and one case of breast cancer is diagnosed every two minutes. Yet despite these statistics, no one is ever truly prepared to receive a breast cancer diagnosis and many feel completely blindsided by it. Today's guest is a special one. She is a part of the Susan G. Komen family as the Senior Director of Health Information and Publications, and yet she was not exempt from this disease. Today to share what transpired in the recent months and why it's so important to keep up with your screenings, even during this pandemic, is Susan Brown. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you again, and uh, I enjoyed our conversation last time, and, and so glad to have you back. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself and why we're featuring you on the show today. I, I have an oncology nursing background, so I worked inpatient oncology a long time ago, and then I worked in, in a women's diagnostic and imaging center for a dozen years or so, where I talked to women all day long, coming in for mammograms, having biopsies, and so forth, helped run support groups. Uh, and then I've been at Komen for 20 years. And my team, as you said, of really is responsible for the breast cancer content associated with our name on our website. We want to ensure that we're providing safe, accurate, current, evidence-based information that people can use as they're making important breast care decisions for themselves and then also as they advocate for others. That's great. That's great. And so in March, you talked to us about prioritizing safety and health during COVID-19. And I know that you've talked on various platforms about how important it is to stay on top of your screenings, even during this time. And I'm told that you took your own advice and you scheduled your own annual mammogram this summer. And can you take a second, and just walk us through what happened next? So I was due for a routine screening mammogram in April, but at the time experts were advising to delay routine screenings because of the pandemic out of concern for limited resources in facilities, and also to decrease the risk of exposure to COVID-19. By June, some of the centers were opening up and experts were then concerned about delays in screening, mm. concerned that these delays would lead to higher mortality in the coming years if people continue to delay their screenings or skip them all together this year. So I called to get an appointment in um, mid-June I've been going to the same facility for 30 years, and that's actually where I worked for a dozen years. But for the first time, I had to wait about a month to get an appointment. I think just because of the backlog due to being restricted in the number of patients they were seeing. So I went back and I got a mammogram. I went to get a mammogram in mid-July. I was called back for additional views due to microcalcifications. Got the additional views, and then I had a stereotactic core biopsy which showed that I had DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. 
So I saw a surgeon, I went for genetic counseling and genetic testing, had a breast MRI and scheduled breast surgery. I had the lumpectomy and at the pathology after the lumpectomy showed that I did have a really small area of invasion. So uh, I had stage one breast cancer. So I saw a medical oncologist, a radiation oncologist. I had other tests. I had other imaging to plan for radiation therapy. I had 20 sessions of radiation therapy and then started on a five-year course of endocrine therapy. Wow. That is, that is quite the journey from our last conversation until now. And, and so I have to wonder, you know, someone that knows more about breast cancer than most of us, as you said, you're responsible for the information that Komen is putting on the website, which is just so valuable. Uh, what was that moment of diagnosis like for you? I'm a little conflicted about how to answer that question. Honestly, I wasn't ever fearful or upset for myself. I knew I had access to high quality care. I knew this was an early diagnosis. I had a good prognosis. Treatments weren't going to be that hard. But I was really concerned for others, for my family and my friends. I knew they would be upset and worried. And so I really went on a campaign to reassure them with information I had delivered to so many people during the course of my career. Right. You know, on the one hand, I really was somewhat surprised, but I also knew why not me? Tens of thousands of women are diagnosed every year. So why wouldn't I be, I be one of them? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And uh, so I'm also curious if you don't mind me asking, I mean, do you have a history of breast cancer in your family? Yes, I do. And I've known about breast cancer since I was just a little girl. One of my uh, mother's sisters was diagnosed when I was seven or eight years old. It was in the 1970s and she had a radical mastectomy and cobalt therapy. It was really extreme treatments that we don't even offer anymore. And then I had um, a cousin on my dad's side who was diagnosed when I was in junior high and she was young. She was in her early forties and she had eight children and she died within a year or two of her diagnosis. Later, I had a cousin on my dad's side, and then my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. They were both in their 60s, and they um, had early, it was early disease, and they were treated, and, you know, they did fine after that. So I knew I was at higher risk, but even having been called back for additional views several times through the years and having had a biopsy 12 or 13 years ago, I, I somehow didn't worry about having having breast cancer myself. But what I did do is go every year for my annual screening mammogram. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So a lot's happened in a very short amount of time. I mean, how are you doing? Honestly, I'm doing great. It's taken me till now really to realize that that term breast cancer survivor applies to me. I wore a pink survivor t-shirt at the Komen Dallas uh, more than pink walk in October. And that really felt like a big step for me. And I updated my medical history with that information at my dentist office last week. And I'll know I'll do the same when I see my intern this next month. I guess I can just use my voice now to speak from my own experience, which may lend me another layer of credibility uh, to my work. But overall, I, I'm doing great. I have nothing to complain about. That's great. So I, I want to just for a second, go back, you know, you, you talked about how it took you several months to get your screening and how there were, it was during COVID. And so I assume there's new protocols in place. 
I'd love for you to just share with us what was that experience like, you know, getting the screening during the pandemic? What were were there any new procedures, any new protocols that our, our listeners might need to know about? Yeah, I noticed so many new procedures when I went in for that screening and actually in subsequent visits, numerous subsequent visits that had been put into place really to reduce the risk of exposure to COVID-19. First of all, there was pre-registration by phone. Um, when I got to the facility, the gates to the parking lot were up, you know, no pushing buttons, no pulling tickets, no paying. Upon entry to the building, um, I was asked a number of questions about exposure and testing and temperature and how you're feeling and all of that, and was asked to use hand sanitizer, was asked to replace the mask I was actually wearing with a new mask, had my temperature taken, then got to the screening facility itself, and there was automated uh, automated check-in at a kiosk just to really reduce the, the interaction with staff. And then uh, previously... Within this center, at least, uh, you would change your clothes in a dressing room and be given a locker with a key to put your your clothes instead. This time, I was given a little plastic bag to put my clothes in uh, to avoid even touching locker or key or anything like that. So there were a lot of of changes, a lot of new procedures and protocols that were visibly in place, you know, when I went back for that screening mammogram. Wow. That's really helpful information. Thank you for sharing that. And so... Susan, final question, knowing what, you, what you've been through, what do you want our listeners to know? I want them to know that they can just do what they can do, right? And one of the things they can do is learn about their family history because that can help inform their own risk. And then, you know, ask them to take advantage of the tools and the resources we have for screening today. So I'd encourage listeners to get a mammogram if they're due for one and if it's safe in their communities I'd encourage them to do what they can to reduce their risk, which is, you know, controlling their weight, exercising, limiting alcohol use and the use of menopausal hormones, breastfeeding if you can, just to to do what you can. One other thing I'd like to just add is that I am so grateful to the women that have come before me through the years who participated in research. We know that mammograms can detect cancer very early uh, because of research. We know about treatments for the different stages of breast cancer and the different types of breast cancer because of research. And we, none of that research would be possible without people who agreed to participate in clinical trials. I have benefited so greatly for that. And it's because of those heroes that came before us that we have all of the, the knowledge and the information to good care today. And I'm so grateful for their courage and willingness to contribute in this way. And really it's impossible to um, overemphasize the value and the importance of their contribution. Wow. Well, Susan, thank you so much for, for all that you shared with us, uh, for letting us just have a view into your world and, and what you're, what you're going through. So thank you for your time on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thanks to Amgen Oncology for supporting the Real Pink podcast. Amgen Oncology Biosimilars are backed by four decades of experience in the research, development, manufacturing, and supply of originator biologics. Join the conversation at the Amgen Biotech Facebook page or amgen.com.